1: Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be discussing Andy Stanley, a recent sermon that he gave this past Sunday. And this sermon is perhaps his gayest, most pro-gay sermon in perhaps a decade. He comes out very affirming. Now that the cat's out of the bag, now that he's been put on blast by Christian media for his support for homosexuality, which should have happened over 10 years ago, but I digress. Uh, now he's you know come out in favor with this in this most recent sermon that's not only you know pro gay and pro animal rights and uh, a couple other movements that aren't biblical. Uh, he's also you know doing a timeshare sales pitch for the church. This is not a sermon about how great Jesus is. It's a sermon about how great his church is and why you should donate to his church. Always Be Closing is what Andy Stanley is doing in this uh, 44-minute sermon, give or take, on the church. And his sermon on the church celebrates some of the worst uh, aspects going on in our culture, and he calls that the shadow of Jesus. So we're going to watch that, but it's also, again, a false gospel presentation he has false motives for wanting to be in the church and it shows as well in this first clip but before we get to that evangelical dark web is a christian news gathering and commentary ministry and you can support our work by liking this video subscribing to the channel if you're new that's the least you can do uh the most you can do is we have a patreon like system at evangelicaldarkweb.org join and we've Upgraded that to be even more secure and stuff. Uh, And that gives you more access to more benefits and more content. And you help drive the research direction of Evangelical Dark Web. Otherwise, sign up for that newsletter that we have. That's linked in the description below. Free newsletter that gets you articles bypassing big tech censorship in your inbox each and every day on what's going on in the Christian news cycle. So this is our first clip. This is where uh, Andy Stanley presents his version of the gospel.
2: Uh, This is his elevator pitch for Christianity. So the the bottom line is simply this. I mean, that's, that's just my story. Some of you have similar stories. The church taught me that following Jesus really will make my life better And following Jesus, I can say all these years later, has made me better at life. It's made me a better person. I didn't have that language back then. Um, About five or six years ago, we were rebranding some things around here. And I thought to myself, you know, I should have an elevator pitch for my faith.
1: So I want to pause right here as a point of order. Five or six years ago, Andy Stanley was rolling out his unhitched theology. That was five or six years ago. Just to put some context on Andy Stanley's ministry, Five or six years ago, he was rolling out the unhitched stuff. Uh, Eleven years ago, he was actively affirming homosexuality in his sermon, uh, which we covered on this channel, Evangelical Dark Web, uh, in my video on Andy Stanley on homosexuality. So we covered, you know, eleven years ago, he came out as uh, pro-homosexuality in his sermon. Uh, This uh, is his
2: gospel elevator pitch. Listen to it. I'd never thought about that. Now, if somebody asked me, Andy, why are you a Christian? I'm telling you, I can razzle dazzle you with evidence for the resurrection to the point where you'll either fall on your knees and repent or flee. Okay, I mean, I can, I, I'm full of information you know, and arguments, but I needed an elevator pitch. Andy, why are you a Christian? And that's when I came up with this phrase because it's this really is why I follow Jesus because following Jesus, has made my life better as selfish as that sounds and it's made me better at life because it's made me less selfish and less about me so all that to say so that's clip number one
1: and this is his point about why he loves the church is because it's made andy stanley a better person but i would disagree with that i don't think he's a good person in fact you know you know, an, evangel- an evangelism, not evangelicalism, but it is an evangelicalism. We have this uh, tactic called the good person text, test, which is a very rudimentary uh, way to get a conversation going about why someone needs the gospel. It's called the good person test. And, you know, Andy Stanley, you know, being an obvious false teacher, like he's an obvious false teacher. He operates in clown word Christianity, and he's definitely a negative influence on the Atlanta a uh, suburb area of Georgia, and what he's talking about is your best life now. He's talking about being a self-help program. That's what he views the church as. It's not uh, somewhere where Christians, you know, uh, headquarter themselves to do the ordinances and then go out into the world and spread the gospel. It's not where. Uh, it's not Christ's bride. That's not the church either. It's a self-help program for people like himself. That's what he views the church as. And that is transitive. And that is not what the church is. The church, the universal Catholic church, lowercase c, is the bride of Christ. It is not a self-help program. And... You know, that's we don't go to the church. We don't go to church to become a better person. That's not why we go to church. We go to church to love God. We go to church to worship God, to hear the word of God preach, which you're not hearing in this sermon because I don't know if he, uh, this sermon's not on sc- a text in scripture, by the way. It's a topical sermon on why you should donate to the church, specifically his church. And the churches that are you know web streaming this sermon in, that's what the sermon is. It's not it's a sales presentation, it's a bad sales presentation for the church. Because what he's advocating is bad, or at least what he thinks that the church's influence is, is bad. So Andy Stanley believes that you should go to church to become a better person. How much different is that? And then you should go to church to become richer you should go to church to become uh, healthier in life you know wealth and health you know I've never really characterized Andy Stanley as a prosperity preacher I just thought he's someone who diluted the gospel uh, he's someone who you know watered down scripture and then cut scripture and then kept producing scripture and all that like he doesn't have a healthy respect for the Bible and what really this turns out to be is Andy Stanley just views Christianity as a self-help uh, program. And that's not what Christianity is. Uh, it is sinners coming to God in repentance and worshiping Jesus. It is about Jesus. It is not about us. And he gets this paradigm completely wrong. It sounds selfish because it is Selfish. I love, and that's, you know, not the worst clip. Uh, I think this next clip is actually even worse. So we're going to skip ahead.
2: That I'm trying to make. He says this, those who condemn the church for its blind spots. And does the church have blind spots? Of course it does. Let me tell you what else the church does. I'll come back to that in a minute. The church has blind spots, but the church has a self-corrective mechanism built in. And do you know what the self-correcting mechanism that's built into the church The teaching of Jesus. But anyway, we're gonna, in about a month and a half, we're gonna come back to that and explore that fully. Those who condemn the church for its blind spots do so by gospel principles. In other words, he says anytime somebody takes a shot at the church, the basis of what they're accusing the church of is rooted in what the church unleashed in the world because of the teachings of Jesus. For its blind spots, they do so by gospel principles, arguing for the very moral values that the gospel originally set loose in the world. Well, Philip, can you give us an example? He's like... Okay, let's pause right there. That quote, everything he just said was wrong.
1: There is a sense where hypocrisy is pointed out, but the the reason why they're using hypocrisy of the church is not because of the hypocrisy of the church. You know, Jesus tells us that they hated him first. They didn't hate us first. They hate us because of him. The world hates... Us because the world hated Christ first. The world doesn't like Christ and then hates Christians. That's not true at all. In fact, you know, you listen to the crowd chant Barabbas. They wanted Jesus dead, the crowd did. So the world didn't like Jesus. The world killed Jesus, but Jesus conquered the grave. The reason why people hate the church is a false front for the real hardness of hearts in the rejection of Christ and the rejection of God's word. That is why people uh, hate the church as much as they do. You know, it's like that Scooby-Doo meme where Fred takes off the mask of the ghost and it turns out to be him, you know, uh, the eight. You know, I don't, you know, someone says that they don't believe in Christ and that's Fred and the meme and he takes off the mask and it's, he just wants to sleep with his girlfriend. You know, that's a true story in a lot of cases where a lot of people, young guys in particular, you know, they want to sleep with their girlfriend. That's their real objection to Christianity. They love their sin. That is a lot. You know, the real objection people have to Christianity is their love of sin, their hatred of God their hatred of God's word and God's standard, it's not actually the church. That's a false front So everything Philip Yancey's quote said was wrong. Their values are not rooted in scripture. And it's just, you know, uh, when the early church was criticized for being cannibals, it wasn't because those values are rooted in scripture. It's because they hated the church and so on. When they call the church hateful in 2022, it's not because they value love. It's because they hate God. They're projecting their own hatred towards God onto the church towards them.
2: Yeah, I'll give you a bunch of examples. Human rights, civil rights, women's rights, minority rights, gay rights, disability rights, animal rights. The success of these modern movements, they're all modern movements because once upon a time, nobody cared.
1: Because I'm going to pause right there. Let's itemize that for a second. So, no. Uh, so human rights, I believe in inalienable rights is a much stronger term than human rights. Civil rights, again, see point one. Women's rights, women's suffrage is not biblical. It never was biblical. It was not the outcome of the Bible being preached in American or other Western societies. Uh, women's suffrage was not biblical. It wasn't biblical at the time. You can go back and read the feminist literature. It was a rejection of... God's ordained order, and it always has been. Uh, And women's rights, you know, you look at Margaret Sanger and a lot of the other uh, pro-abortionists, early pro-abortionists. These movements are all connected, and you can't argue that women's suffrage has benefited the United States. It truly hasn't. Uh, If anything, you could actually say that it has irreparably revocably wrecked our country and it you know because single women are the most liberal voting block in this country so not exactly a good not exactly a good thing it's not a biblical thing to reject patriarchal society uh because matriarchy isn't biblical so minority rights yeah, I agree with that one. Gay rights? Obviously not. First of all, uh, last week we reported on Uganda uh, criminalizing, uh, identifying as a homosexual or transvestite or any other category outside of a biblical uh, uh, gender role, biological gender roles. And then also followed that up with an aggravated homosexuality criminal charge, which comes with a death penalty for people who... Uh, sodomize children or people with special needs. That is the outcome of the church and an 84% Christian society. That is what uh, a Christian society, a strong church leads to, not gay rights. So he got that completely backwards. It's the uh, deconstruction of the church that led to gay rights. Disability rights, again, we see that in scripture. I don't really think disabled people didn't have rights in this country. And then animal rights is a completely non-biblical category. There's nothing biblical about animal rights. I don't think we should mistreat animals. But animals don't don't get rights. They're not humans. We don't exist to serve animals. Animals exist to serve us. That is the created order. So... Mankind's to have dominion over animals, not to give them
2: rights. rights. Minority rights, gay rights, disability rights, animal rights, the success of these modern movements, they're all modern movements because once upon a time, nobody cared, because why care? The success of these modern movements reflects a widespread empathy for the oppressed that has no precedent. For those of you who love history, you know this, that has no precedent in the ancient world. In fact, it was the opposite, classical philosophers, considered mercy and pity to be character defects, to be, if I can use the ancient word, womanly and weakly and emotional. Why would I be compassionate towards someone who doesn't have anything to do with me and I can't get anything from them? Why would I be generous to someone? Why would I give my hard earned resources or money to someone that can never do anything for me in return? That's that's ridiculous. Anybody that would do that is weak, pity, Pity is, is weak. All of these things that we consider virtues, we think we consider them virtues because it's innate, because it's inherent, because you know, it's just part of being a human being. He says, no, and history says, no, these were learned. They are a part of that long shadow cast by the teaching of Jesus and of the church. Character defects contrary to justice. Get this, not until Jesus, this is why you're so important and why the church is so important. Not until Jesus did that attitude change. Look here. It was not religion that changed it. It was the church, not religion in general, that shaped and reshaped ancient culture for the better. That, that what was not self-evident, that's so self-evident to us, became self-evident because of the teaching of Jesus and the church. The intrinsic value of the individual was taught. It was caught because of the teaching of Jesus. It became self-evident because of the influence of the church.
1: And again, the influence of the church led to the Criminalizing of homosexuality, and you saw that you know in Roman times, and then you see that in modern day Uganda, Uganda forever. Uh, that they're criminalizing homosexuality as a result, as a direct result of the influence of the church and influence of Christianity. So, you know, Andy Stanley and Rick Warren, and all these people who like to fetishize the early church just because the early church is vacuous and that and it's not actually vacuous, but. Because they don't expect people to research the early church. They, they say what they want about the early church to uh, m- drive home a point that they want to make and an agenda that they want to drive home. So what he's talking about is that Christianity made all these extracurricular civil rights movements uh, thinkable and made the, them self-evident. First of all, it's historically inaccurate. It's historically inaccurate. We see that in areas where Christianity is rising. Uh, these rights, these so-called you know freedoms or self-evident human rights that Andy Stanley talks about are being rolled back. Christians did not view voting as a human right. Christians did not view women's suffrage as a human right. Christians did not view homosexuality as a human right. Christians did not view animal rights as... And a a concept that exists. So Andy Stanley has it clearly backwards, but, you know, he's a liberal. He's theologically liberal and he's politically liberal as well. He does go on in the sermon about how much he loves his country and how we need a strong, vibrant church. But he's doing everything that he can to undermine that because he just wants your money. He just wants the money of the liberal white women and probably, you know, it's probably actually ethnically diverse his churches or his churches are to keep giving money to his church. That's what Andy Stanley's all about here. So we're going to go to our last clip. And this is just the always be closing clip. This is his, Andy Stanley giving his ABCs uh, for his church.
2: So here we go. The church is God's agent of transformation personally. And maybe that's your story like it is mine because he used it to transform my life. And if you have benefited from it, if you have benefited from it, perhaps it's time to give back to it. The church is your opportunity. This is amazing. The church is your opportunity to take part in the transformation that's happening in our world. And I don't want you to miss that opportunity. So this time, somebody from your campus is gonna come up and give you some next steps. Always be closing
1: that's what Andy Stanley's doing here. So all of this was his value proposition. This whole sermon was his value proposition on why you should, you know, tie to his church. Very strong at teaching tithing, not very strong evidently at teaching anything else in scripture apparently. And I don't think tithing is the way we understand it, the way I was taught tithing is applicable in the New Testament church. I think it's some it's you know, I think we're supposed to be giving joyously and generously and you know, not feeling compelled to do so. Like, you know, that's kind of you know, my camp on this as opposed to the 10% uh gross versus net debate. So, that's where I stand on that. Uh but anyway, Andy Stanley clearly uh acts, is actually more strict and legalistic than I am on this issue, which is, you know, ironic considering he's antinomian he's an antinomian but not when it comes to his pocketbook then he's very nomian so just ironic this is his ABC's always be closing for his gay church and that that's who Andy Stanley is so Andy Stanley is who we think he is he's not changed uh, this is who he is the, And it's unsurprising that he would, you know, after unhitching the Old Testament from the gospel, after unhitching the entire Bible from the gospel in his book Irresistible, uh, he then, you know, wants to turn the church into a self-help program of community activism rather than, you know, a hospital for the souls or some other much more biblical uh, turn of phrase to describe Christ bride. So anyway, that's all I got for today. My name is Rez, the Evangelical Dark Web. If you like this kind of content, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, have a blessed day, and we will catch you on the next one.